Hey everybody, welcome to episode 46 of Junior Golf Keys. I'm your host, Matt. And before we get into the episode, I just want to thank you. I appreciate you guys tuning in week after week. I appreciate you connecting with me on social media. I appreciate the emails that I've received. Um, And we just encourage you guys to continue to do more of that. I really appreciate it. It helps me uh, get a really good understanding of what's important to you, what you like, what you don't like about the show, and gives me some good ideas for some future guests that I can bring on that'll hopefully help bring some more value to you guys as you navigate your junior golf journeys. So this week, I've got an exciting guest for us. Matt Musavian is the founder of MooseFit, which is a health and wellness company focused on helping individuals reach their full potential. Uh, Matt played his college golf at Georgetown. He was named professional athlete, uh, or as a professional athlete, was named the fittest in D.C., and he has competed in eight international pro CrossFit competitions. So um, fitness is a big part of his life. Um, It's a big part of what he does uh, to help his clients, but the overall and holistic approach to health and wellness is something that's very important to Matt which you're going to hear him talk about in this and everything that MooseFit stands for. So really had a good time chatting with him. Uh, we talked about you know, how he got introduced to the game and what his path has been like in golf. Uh, we talked about what MooseFit is and the importance of a holistic approach. We talk about being a fit golfer, being an athlete. Uh, we're going to touch on discipline. And we're going to talk about some of the extreme examples um, in the golf fitness world right now. You know, we talk about Bryson DeChambeau, uh, Scott Stallings. We talk about uh, Tiger, Brooks, Gary Woodland. Um, just going to chat about, you know, kind of what those guys have done in the fitness side and just overall wellness of uh, their games so that they can try to reach the highest levels that they can uh, in their potential. Uh, And then we're going to talk a little bit about fitness and what that does for your uh, mental side of your game. You know, we've talked about this a little bit on the show with some other guests. Uh, We're going to dive into that a little bit. And um, overall, I think you guys are going to take some really good value from this episode. I had a good time chatting with Matt. Um, He's very knowledgeable about this space, very passionate about it. And I think you're going to see that uh, as you listen to our conversation. But before we get into the show, I want to talk to you about my partner, Golf Kicks. Um, Golf Kicks has changed the game when it comes to golf shoes. So uh, it's something that I use now. I just built a pair of Golf golf Kicks golf shoes not too long ago. Uh, What they do is they give you the opportunity to take a regular tennis shoe and have the comfort of a regular tennis shoe and install some aftermarket spikes on those tennis shoes to turn them into golf shoes. So uh, for all you sneaker heads that are out there, this is something that's really cool that I think you'll latch on to uh, where you can wear some of your favorite sneakers out on the golf course and they're really a functional golf shoe. So um, I've really enjoyed partnering with them. They've won some innovations award on My Golf Spy, Golf Digest, and they did a deal with Mark Cuban on Shark Tank. Um, If you go over to their website, www.golfkicks.com, and you use the code JGK20, like Junior Golf Keys, JGK20, you'll get 20% off your order with Golf Kicks. All right, everybody, welcome back to this week's episode of Junior Golf Keys. I have the 
founder of MooseFit, Matt Musavian, on the line with me today. Matt, how's it going? Good, Matt. Thanks a lot for having me on today. Yeah, absolutely. Um, fitness and overall health, uh, wellness, recovery, all those things are important for athletes. And, um, you know, you're an expert in this field. We want to talk a little bit today uh, just about the correlation between golf and being an athlete and being fit, uh, those types of things. But before we jump into that, can you kind of give the audience a little bit of context behind who you are and kind of what your intro to golf was and what your path has been so far? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I've played golf more or less my entire life. Um, I grew up playing golf. I grew up playing a lot of different sports, but uh, golf was one of the sports that um, I played kind of around baseball. So baseball was kind of my thing when I was growing up from um, age eight to age 14 or 15 playing travel baseball and um, really not picking up a golf club until after the baseball season was over. So that gave me July, August, and then into the fall a little bit to, to play golf. Um, I was always a little bit on the, the smaller side. So baseball was something that worked well for me when I was younger and um, could hang with kids that were still my size. There were some kids, obviously, that had peaked a little bit early in terms of, of growing up and maturing. But um, I was always a bit on the smaller side. So as I uh, got a little bit closer to high school, I had to have a, a pretty realistic conversation with myself um, about what sport I wanted to pursue. I, I was good at baseball, but size was an issue. And I was um, good at golf. Um, and I was able to compete at a bit of a higher level at that age at golf. So I, I decided once I got to high school to fully commit myself uh, to golf. Having said that, um, the junior varsity coach at my high school, my freshman year was also the wrestling coach. So he convinced me to wrestle my freshman year and to give a little bit of perspective okay. on, uh, on how small I was and how late of a bloomer I was. I wrestled the 109 pound weight class, my freshman year of high school. So, um, while I was continuing to focus my attention on, uh, golf in high school, that's when I started to really get into the junior golf circuit a good bit my freshman year and then obviously all throughout high school while still playing high school golf during the, the high school golf season. Um, had a little bit of early success in a couple of tournaments and um, was able to achieve some status with AJGA and then through that started playing on the AJGA circuit a little bit, the FCWT circuit. Um, there was a, a plantation junior golf tour that was big in the Midwest that I played a lot of events in and was able to, to earn a lot of status with AJGA and was able to get into some of the, the bigger AJGA events. Um, with that, continued to play well, started to get a little bit of attention from some college coaches, began working actually with a, um, a recruiting coach, I think is the best term for him. We, we did work on some golf-specific things, but for the most part, um, he, his name's Brad Sparling. Um, he was able to help make a lot of connections for me. Um, and through just talking to different golf coaches that um, were on the forefront interested in me, and I was um, somewhat interested in, in their schools, not knowing a whole lot about um, where I wanted to go, what I wanted to study, those sorts of things. Uh, I tried to expose myself to as many different universities and visit as many different schools as I could. Um, I did know, uh, I, I had always enjoyed school, um, and excelled in school. So I did know I wanted to attend a university that would challenge me academically as well as, 
athletically in golf. So um, when I first got connected with Georgetown University and Tommy Hunter, the men's golf coach there, um, it seemed on the on the outset a, a very good fit, um, a, a pretty solid golf program yep. in the Big East. They had recently won the Big East Championship um, and obviously a, a pretty prestigious academic institution as well. So after meeting Tommy, meeting the guys in the team, I quickly fell in love with um, with Tommy, the team and, and the university and uh, decided that's where I wanted to go and play and played all four years there. Thoroughly enjoyed my experience and uh, upon graduating, still play as often as I can while it's, it's getting a bit harder to, uh, to play as, as regularly as I'd like to. Yeah. That whole work thing. Yeah. Gets sure in the way, does, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, definitely a lot of balance there, but I like your story. I mean, a lot of, on the show, we've talked a lot about, um, you know, being a multi-sport athlete and some of the different skills that you can pick up from, playing other sports, um, kind of just inadvertently, uh, it just sort of happens, you know, different motor patterns and those types of things. Um, you know, I like you talking about your experience with recruiting and, you know, leaving options open. It's definitely something that we've talked about on here before with some different college coaches and, you know, people that, um, actually you're connected to, uh, Dr. Katie Brophy miles who I had on last week, um, who helps families with, you know, that, those recruiting needs and stuff like that. So, um, Interesting story. And then, so you, you go on, you graduate from Georgetown. What do you do after that? Yeah. So at Georgetown, I, um, my, my family's been in the, the medical field, uh, professionally. So my, my father works, uh, for a, a large medical device company. Um, I, I have four aunts and uncles who are physicians. So I had always wanted to become a, a physician. Um, so I entered Georgetown, majored in neurobiology, Uh, Towards the end of my college uh, experience, started to question um, whether or not that was whether the practice of medicine was actually what I wanted to pursue. Um, I did a little bit of lab based research and didn't enjoy it as much as I felt that I I maybe should have. So um, I was fortunate enough to to be linked up with um, a woman who was a a former physician turned um, investment banker in the healthcare sector and. Um, I began working for her at a company in, in Columbus, Ohio, um, quickly started working remotely. Um, she was based in New York City. Um, I was based in Columbus and then ultimately moved to Washington, D.C., where my fiance was um, and started working remotely. And uh, while I was doing that, that job remotely, and I think a lot of people are experiencing this um, now and what they're doing with the extra time uh, is up to them. But I did find that in the remote setting professionally, I had a lot of extra time um, personally to pursue different passions of mine, uh, one of which was the health and wellness space. So um, I quickly started to uh, coach and then ultimately manage a uh, CrossFit gym in the Washington, D.C. area. Um, And then with that, that's kind of how uh, I pivoted some of that into uh, into the Moose Fit business that I'm that I'm currently running today. Okay. Yeah. And I don't want to gloss over that CrossFit piece. Cause I mean, I think you're being a little bit modest there. I know that you were named, um, f- from a professional athlete perspective, fittest in DC, and you've also competed in eight international pro CrossFit competitions. So what was that? Ex- how's, how was that experience like? for Yeah. You? you know, it was something that, that came, um, a little bit out of the blue. I, um, when I first moved back to Columbus, Ohio, I started training, um, just for myself, didn't think anything uh, truly profesh- from a professional athletic standpoint would come of it, but started training at a gym 
that was owned by a woman by the name of Christy Aramo, who is still uh, competing professionally and has come in the top 10 uh, in the world at the CrossFit Games for anyone that that may be familiar with that. And um, saw how hard she was working and saw how honestly cool it was uh, to see the way that she was training for CrossFit. And I was like, well, uh, I'll give this a chance. I'll put a little bit more time and effort into it. Um, and I quickly began, as I do with a lot of things, began to, to kind of fixate on that and obsess over it a little bit. And it became something that I, I really wanted to achieve. There were some changes in the CrossFit world that um, allowed me the opportunity to compete in some of those international competitions. Um, but the experience over, overall was incredible. Um, granted, I, I um, yeah. definitely was not finishing anywhere near the top of those competitions, but just being able to qualify for and, and compete in those. And um, with that, uh, was able to find a few very um, strong sponsors that were able to help me along the way. So overall, a great experience, learned a lot from that, both as an athlete myself, um, as well as um, learning new ways to, to help program for some of my clients. Yeah, for sure. Uh, well, let's talk about that a little bit. What is MooseFit? Yeah, so as I started to mention briefly, MooseFit came um, as I was coaching and managing a CrossFit gym in the D.C. area. Um, I've always been one to try to utilize all the hours in the day to their maximum capacity. Um, and what I saw as an opportunity was I'm spending a lot of time in person at this gym coaching and, and managing the gym. What if I were to take this online? Uh, how many more people would I be able to reach? Ultimately, my goal is to uh, make an impact on as make as strong an impact on as many people's lives as possible. Um, and I, I was able to do that in person through the uh, managing of the gym, but I thought there may be an opportunity to do a bit more of that virtually. Um, so this is about a year and a half, two years ago, where um, Moosefit picked up and took on its first client. Um, being that I was in the CrossFit space, I initially thought that um, I was going to have a lot of CrossFit athletes um, at whatever level that might be gravitate towards the programming that I was offering. Um, and at first, I was definitely a bit stubborn in that thinking. Um, but as many businesses should do and, and need to do, um, I started to listen to the market a bit more and understand that there were um, a lot of being in the D.C. area, a lot of high performing professionals um, that in their very nature, by being a high performing professional, were also interested in being a high performing athlete to whatever level that might be. I started to pick up some uh, clients in their 40s and their 30s, some even in their 50s um, that were looking to improve either as golfers, um, as triathletes, as bikers, as runners, whatever it might be. Um, so with that, I started to grow the business virtually um, as more of those high performing um, professionals started to gravitate towards, towards MooseFit. Um, one of the things that we do take a lot of pride in is a more holistic approach to overall wellness. Um, and what we mean by that, there's a lot of um, people have a lot of preconceived notions when they hear holistic wellness, but um, ultimately what, what we at MooseFit and what I believe is the best way to achieve the best version of yourself is to have um, every aspect of your um, 
wellness. So that would be physical health. So that would be exercising, nutrition, uh, mental health, and then along with that, your spirit of sorts. So uh, the physical health is something that people are able to pick up on relatively quickly. They understand that they should be exercising, they should be moving. Um, nutrition is also something that um, goes hand in hand with that while can be a bit more challenging. Um, the wellness and the spiritual side of that is something that um, people don't spend as much time as we think they may necessarily need to. Um, one of our partners is actually a nonprofit in the DC area that my uh, fiance is the, the director of development for called Little Friends for Peace. Uh, and they work with individuals of all age groups, but um, historically the focus has been on um, children and youth in underserved areas throughout DC. And one of the things that they're constantly discussing with these kids and it applies to adults as well. And it's a concept that we take to, to a lot of our clients is understanding, understanding your wellness wheel. So understanding how all the aspects of your life, the ones that I just mentioned are contributing towards the way that you're feeling on a day-to-day -day basis. So um, that's our approach to wellness. Um, we've started to um, as the client base has been built out a bit, we've started to uh, venture down into a bit more specific areas, um, one of which has really been the multi-sport and endurance sport programming area. So I have a, a lot of individuals that are interested in um, improving their marathon time, half marathon time. I have a client looking to qualify for Boston, so training for a sub three-hour marathon um, and one of the areas that I'm really interested in getting more into is um, programming for for kids and um, high school, middle school, and potentially um, even a bit younger if, if necessary um, as athletes. Uh, specifically, my background is, is focused on golf, but um, there is definitely an interest uh, from Moosefit and from younger athletes to um, get involved in that strength and conditioning space, but they're not totally sure how to, um, how appropriately they should be training and the like. So um, we're hoping that we can get into that a bit more to offer uh, strong guidance. I think there's a lot of information out there that can be misguided and can potentially um, harm younger athletes and put the wrong picture in their head. Yeah, I agree. Well, I definitely want to talk about, you know, what it means to be an athlete, but I want to go back to that holistic approach. Um, you know, we may have some kids that are listening that maybe don't have a good example at home um, or maybe some parents that are listening that just don't know what they should be doing to be that good example. So what does it mean? Can you just go a little bit deeper? I know you kind of listed out, you know, the, the, the fitness, the nutrition, um, you know, just the overall wellness, spiritual what does that actually mean? And why is it beneficial to take that type of an approach if you were speaking to a young athlete? Yeah, so it's really easy to um, get trapped in the mindset that if I am thriving in one area of my life, my life is thriving. So as an athlete, and, and this happened to me when I was younger as well, um, I thought that all that mattered to me was school and golf. Uh, because those were the two things that could help me get to the next step. And while it's important to have a hyper focus on your goals, um, as you get older, and this is something that I've learned, it becomes ever more important to become that truly well-rounded individual. Um, 
if you lose sight of your goals, then you may find yourself frustrated that you haven't achieved those. Um, but what could potentially be even more frustrating than that is being blinded by your goals to the point that you look back five, four, five, ten years later and say, um, I just missed out on those aspects of my life because I was so hyper focused on one thing. Uh, for us, we think yeah. it's it's uh, much more valuable um, and creates a truer sense of wellness if you can um, focus on all those areas of your life that that are important. So um, not just the physical and the nutrition or the athletics, but um, all of the aspects that that round out that wellness wheel. So it sounds like. Um, and this is actually a conversation I had with my dad. I had my dad on the podcast probably about, uh, I don't know, 20 episodes ago. But um, we were having a conversation. I had asked him, we were talking about discipline. And, you know, one of the things that I asked him was, he's he's been a really good example of being disciplined throughout my life. I've been able to watch that. Um, and I asked him, you know, how have you stayed so disciplined? And so I guess I say that to ask you, would you say that, when you're looking at this holistic approach, it's almost really important to start back with your goals and making your goals hit those different buckets of your life and align that way, that way your activities and the way that you're moving, I guess, throughout your day-to-day -day life is all mapping to those. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're spot on with that. I think, um, I think it is ultimately a, a mindset shift. Um, and I think one of the ways that, that um, the hyper vigilance and hyper focus on um, being really strong at one aspect of your life has manifested itself is the fact that there are so many uh, athletes, kids, and a lot of this is um, brought about by um, the individuals that are making the strongest impact on those kids' lives. So whether that's a, a coach or a parent, um, I think what we've seen in that is the, um, the fact that there are so many single sport athletes that are starting in grade school. Um, and this is me being a, a 25 year old that played a lot of sports growing up. And if we go back even to grade school, I swam and, um, played a number of different sports, um, anymore, if there's an individual that has some sort of potential in one sport, that's the only sport that they play. And, and I, I think there are potentially some positives that can come out of that, but I think um, having a more well-rounded approach just in that one aspect where you're playing a number of different sports um, will carry over into that individual's life as they start to get older, because their mindset has shifted rather from a, a hyper-focus on just one thing um, to having a focus on the, the broader picture um, to become an overall better person person, not just the strongest athlete that they can be. And without a doubt, there's a number of really strong athletes that are also uh, very good people and well-rounded individuals. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Well, I mean, when you're talking about, you know, playing multiple sports, you're acquiring, you know, different skills, but, you know, not just physically, you know, the, the talk about the mental side of it too. And I, and I think that's where you're going with, you know, just being, you know, well-rounded and, you know, overall, um, you know, having that type of an approach can really have a positive impact on you just in life. I mean, you talk about wrestling, you know, and playing golf. Those are two extremely different 
I, I mean, I would say some would say extremely different ends of the spectrum, right? But I wrestled for a couple of years as well. I mean, it's a physically demanding sport and it is a mentally grueling sport. So, I mean, what did that experience do for your golf game? Yeah, you know, for me, it was definitely, um, you bring up discipline. I think discipline is something that um, it's easy for a lot of people to say, you're either born with self-discipline or you're, you're not born with self-discipline. And, and by saying that, especially to a, a kid, um, you're putting them into an immediate bucket. So you tell them or you yep. give them the idea that they're, they're just not disciplined, then that's the mindset that they have. And discipline is absolutely something that can be learned. There's, there's some kids that are born with a bit more discipline than others. Um, but going back to your question, I think um, wrestling and also the timing of starting at a new high school. I, um, I was a, a bit of a, a problem child in middle school. I um, gave my teachers a hard time. I definitely wasn't challenged a whole lot in middle school. And when I started high school, I went to an all boys school. We, um, we were required to do Latin for our first two years and we had homework and a quiz every night and the following day. So that timed the discipline of that timed with the discipline of um, wrestling was almost simultaneous. And I think that has carried over a lot into the way that I uh, went about my golf career as a high schooler. Uh, for me, um, I had friends that were always much more interested in going out and playing nine holes with their two hours of time after school or in the summer when there wasn't a golf tournament. And for me, I, I found it to be much more valuable at times to spend that two hours while maybe not as fun, but just grinding on the range or grinding on the putting green. And I think a lot of that discipline, because it's not as fun as going out and, and playing golf with your buddies. Uh, I think a lot of that sure. discipline came from something that I was born with, but was also ingrained in me through experiences, specifically um, wrestling, as well as the um, experience that I, that I entered into by attending the high school that I did. Yeah. So uh, recently, well, I guess not recently, it's almost been a year now. And anybody that's been listening to the podcast has heard me talk about this before, but, um, I started a program cause you talk about discipline being learned. Um, you know, I talk about, I grew up with a good example of discipline, but I too was a little bit of a <laughs> mischievous <laughs> kid growing up. And, and also like a lot of kids do push back against their parents almost on everything. So while I had a good example in watching my dad, you know, live a very disciplined life. I also, you know, rebelled from that too. Um, until I figured out that, you know, he actually knew what he was talking about, right? Like a lot of us do. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, about a year ago, I started a, um, a journey. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the supplement company, uh, first form yeah, or you've heard of, heard the name Andy Fursella before. Mm -hmm. Um, he's got a couple of podcasts that he's done out there, but he developed a program called 75 hard. And, um, I've gone through, I've got my last phase of it coming up in August, um, but it was set, you know, I, I did an initial period of 75 days and there's been two 30 day periods since then, since last September, and I'll finish up in August. But um, the whole program is around, a, there's a physical component to it, um, but it's a lot of little things that you're doing every single day that are helping you to create that um, that discipline just kind of in everyday life. So there are a lot of different ways that you can do that. I mean, what would you say to some kids uh, that are listening around how they can just create more discipline? Cause I too believe that it's something that can be learned. I started that program uh, because I wanted to create some more discipline in my own life. Yeah, absolutely. To, to me, 
Um, and this started in, in high school and, and was continued to be developed and somewhat uh, unintentionally. Uh, it, it really just became a habit of mine. But I think one way that you can start to really teach yourself habit, if you don't have someone that's um, providing that for you, or if you don't have a situation that's providing that for you, um, is setting a time in the morning, whether it's it would be best if it's earlier than you would like to be waking up. Um, but it doesn't have to be anything crazy like, uh, like Jocko where he sets his alarm at, or maybe <laughs> yeah. it was, maybe it was Chris Spielman who said he set his alarm at four fifty nine every morning. So he could say he woke up before five. It doesn't have to be anything yeah. crazy like that, but set an alarm at 6am and do not snooze that alarm. Um, if you're snoozing the alarm, that's the first thing that you have to do to start your day and you're already procrastinating that, then you know that there's something that, that needs to be adjusted. So start that alarm, wake up when the alarm's set, and then as the uh, the cliche goes, make your bed every morning. Yeah. Um, when you talk about the alarm, I mean, maybe it's best to put that alarm across the room, right? Yeah, so you actually yeah. got to get up. <laughs> maybe at uh, first, but then, yeah. yeah you, talk, you talk about making your bed. I don't know if you've ever seen that speech. I believe it was a Marine officer uh, that gave a commencement speech about making your bed. And it was just talking about doing the little things every Absolutely. single day. Um, and so, yeah, I agree. Those are, you know, for some of you uh, younger uh, listeners that are out there, you know, you're trying to create more discipline and better habits and those types of things. I know that one of the live uh, streams that I did, I had a player that I used to be involved with um, ask me, you know, like, what if you know you want to work out and, um, you know, you should be doing it, but you just can't, you know, when it comes time to actually the rubber meets the road and you're making that decision, like, am I going to work out or not? You know, how can you drive yourself down that path? And sometimes it's not even, you know, the working out, right. It's make your bed in the morning, just right. creating, you know, the discipline for those little habits, um, you know, can really bleed into other areas of your life. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, well, let's talk about what it means to be an athlete. What does it mean to be an athlete to you? Yeah. So we touched on it a little bit, but to me, uh, being an athlete, at least when you're, when you're growing up means, um, being physically capable to perform at, um, a variety of different sports. Uh, it doesn't mean that you have to be pursuing each of those at a high level, but, um, to me, someone that displays a strong degree of athleticism is someone that can go, uh, play pickup basketball with their friends can uh, pick up a golf club and 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 maybe I don't even know what the numbers on tour are but maybe 15% of the time hit your driver down the middle of the fairway or something like that um, you can go yeah. for a run you can you can run at a decent pace you can uh, play a number of different sports at a, at a casual level. Um, but on top of that, I think being an athlete, as we were just talking about in terms of discipline, is um, being a disciplined individual, especially if you're someone that is trying to perform at the highest level and trying to make that next step, whether it's from middle school golf to um, a challenging high school golf program or from high school golf into a, a college golf program. Um, there's a level of discipline that can't be ignored. Um, there's some individuals and, and you see this a bit more in, uh, maybe sports like, uh, like football or swimming or, or basketball, but it definitely carries over into golf too, where there's individuals that are born with more talent than other individuals. There's no getting around that fact. Um, but sure. there are some individuals that can work their way to the next level 
through discipline. Um, so I think being a high performing athlete is uh, it goes hand in hand be- with being a highly disciplined individual. Yeah. What do they say? Hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work. Yeah, right? Exactly. Yeah. One of those cliche sayings, but it's uh, there's a lot of truth in it. So how do you translate from being an athlete and I guess just being, you know, holistically uh, well into let's go very narrow into the space that we're talking about of just being, you know, a fit golfer. Yeah. So, so I think um, it's easy to, as a golfer, and this goes back to some of the other things that we were talking about, where if you're just solely focused on one thing, you can lose sight of other things, but as a golfer, it's, it's easy to lose sight of uh, other aspects of your uh, overall wellness as well as your performance as a golfer that could be benefiting your performance as a golfer. So say you're going out and you're able to shoot around, you're a, a good high school golfer and you're going out and you're, you're able to shoot numbers around even par and you're performing well in tournaments um, and you're, you haven't been doing anything outside of practicing golf. Um, you practice hard. Yep. Um, what would your game look like if you were taking all of that just one step further and incorporating some of the other aspects of wellness? So incorporating a strength conditioning program, reflecting on the way that you're practicing, not just going out and spending the hours out there, but actually taking a step back and looking at how is the way that I'm practicing improving my practice but also the way that I'm performing on the course. Um, so I think it, everything that we've talked about so far builds up to this conversation that we're having right now, specifically around being a high performing golfer. Uh, it's really easy yeah. to lose sight of other aspects of uh, the game that could imp- other aspects of your life that could improve your game. If you just get blinded by the fact that I'm a, I'm a good golfer right now. Um, I have colleges that are looking at me. I have coaches that are interested in me. I'm able to make the varsity team at my high school as a freshman without doing any of these other things. Uh, but to take a step back and be disciplined enough to take a step back and say, what else could I be doing to improve my game? Even just 1%, because uh, if you're improving 1% over the other competitors, then that's a spot on the varsity team that you're taking. That's a spot on the 10 person lineup at, Ohio State University that, that you're taking from somebody else because you've put in that 1% effort more than somebody else. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I was talking about that uh, a couple weeks ago with Coach Bratton at Oklahoma State about just their program and their culture, but it, you know, exactly what you're saying in terms of if you can just get a little bit better and continue to improve, you know, everybody – should be, um, you know, if they're trying to be the best that they can, you know, trying to put themselves in a position where they're maxing out what their potential is and what they're capable of doing. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And you never know. And the beauty of it and what I've found as I've gotten older and I, I first started to, to feel this right after I graduated college is the beauty of hard work is you never know how much harder you could be working and the better you get at something the harder you need to work to continue to improve. So um, Mm. talking about being a disciplined individual, um, just knowing that there is always something that you can be doing to improve. You're never going to be the best at your trade. There's always going to be someone that's better than you. 
um, at something or some aspect of what you're doing. So using that as motivation to continue to work harder, uh, even if you know that, that there are things that, that you may rather be doing, um, continuing to work harder, knowing that, that you are doing everything that you can to improve yourself that 1% every day. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, we talk about, you know, the holistic approach, being an athlete, being a fit golfer, um, let's kind of shift and talk a little bit about just some of the examples on tour right now. I think we're seeing, you know, we've seen over the years, um, uh, the fitness space within golf, uh, continue to evolve. Um, we've seen, you know, different individuals latch on to, uh, a team around them. I think that's becoming more and more common. Uh, I, I don't think there are hardly any professional golfers or professional athletes out there in general that, don't have a team of people around them that are talking to them about their fitness and their nutrition and the recovery and their routines and wellness and, you know, everything all encompassing. So um, let's just talk about some of that stuff that's going on on tour right now. I mean, I know that you and I uh, shared some messages back and forth and, you know, we've got some extreme examples of, you know, uh, fitness that are going on, you know, on tour right now. You know, we talk about, um, you know, Bryson and what he's got going on. Uh, what What are your thoughts on, uh, on that. I had Scott Stallings on okay. uh, towards the beginning of the podcast. And if you're familiar with CrossFit and you're obviously familiar with golf and you know who Scott Stallings mm-hmm. is, but you know, his journey has been one where, you know, he goes, he goes hard and um, you know, he really uh, pours a lot into the fitness from a CrossFit perspective um, and credits a lot of his success and just overall wellness to you know how hard he pushes himself physically so give us some thoughts around what's going on with Bryson right now and maybe some thoughts on Scott Stallings approach you know those types of things yeah absolutely so I think going back to at least the the first athlete golfer that I was exposed to that um, kind of changed the way that I looked at uh, golfers in general was was Tiger Woods I mean Tiger Woods yep. is an absolute physical specimen to this day, let alone when he was at his peak. And, and I don't even know if this is true, but Nike was paying him an obscene amount of money to shorten his sleeves by like a quarter of an inch so that he could <laughs> off his guns a bit more. Hopefully that's true. Yeah. Cause if it's true, that's a great story, but we've seen it manifest. Yeah. We've seen that manifest itself. And I think Tiger's the main reason for this in a lot of the professional golfers that are around my age. Um, the entire culture of golf has changed and having experienced this firsthand through playing in at, playing collegiate golf at the division one level, I don't think it's completely credited to um, college strength conditioning programs. I think there is still a bit of a stigma around sports specific training as it relates to golf. I think one of the things that we've seen kind of come in and out is the the Titleist TPI program, which there definitely is a lot of importance in sports specific training. Um, But I think when it comes to golf, having uh, flexibility, which is extremely important, having trunk and core strength, which is extremely important, can come in some of the more traditional ways that you see manifested in, and this goes back to Scott Stallings, some of the ways that that is trained through CrossFit and CrossFit uh, is a a brand. There's a number of different individuals, um, myself included, that 
um, program a number of the same exact movements that are used in CrossFit. Um, CrossFit doesn't own any of those movements, but all of that to say sure. by, by approaching your, uh, your strength and conditioning from a, a well-rounded approach. And this has kind of been the theme of our conversation rather than a specific approach. Um, I think you're able to achieve much greater results. And you look at Brooks Kepka today and, and the most extreme example right now is, is Bryson. Um, and I can guarantee you Bryson is not, has not put on that much muscle from following a TPI program. Um, he is <laughs> right. definitely um, hitting the weights hard and he has had that goal in mind. Um, and I think yeah. one thing that can be a bit dangerous uh, with young golfers seeing the way that, that Bryson has gone about this is as a young golfer, middle schooler, particularly in high school, you need to be extremely careful about the way you're introducing strength conditioning to your training. Um, it's really easy, especially when you're that age, if you're around some of your buddies in the gym to uh, overextend yourself with the weight that you're using. Um, and we talked about some people ignoring strength conditioning altogether and some people becoming so blind to what they're actually using the strength conditioning for that they can potentially injure themselves, which is no good for yourself as a person, but let alone um, your golf game. I mean, if you, you hurt your back, yeah. pull a hamstring, whatever it might be, that's a month where you're not able to practice and play at the level that you should be playing as a golfer. Um, so I think it is important to, and this goes back to what you're talking about with the team, have a good team surrounding you. And when you're in middle school, that team consists of your family and maybe a, a couple of coaches. When you get to high school, the team gets a little bit bigger. It's still your family. You have a high school coach. You may have a, a recruiting coach that's helping you. You may have brought on someone to, to help support your strength conditioning efforts. Um, but having individuals around you that are knowledgeable um, from and are uh, using a methodology that aligns with your goals. So if you're someone that's, that's trying to play golf at the next level and you know that you need to be uh, hitting the ball a bit further than you are currently, and you are trying to implement a, a good strength conditioning program, having a coach, a strength conditioning coach that understands that and can put you on a program that will be safe and effective for you to help, to help you achieve your goals. Yeah. Um, I want to tie this to fitness um, and, and overall golf conditioning. But, you know, I think also just to talk about like the golf swing and I think the methodology behind coaching over the years has changed a lot, too. I think more and more we're seeing coaches like let's take a George Gankis, mm -hmm. for example, that works with Matthew Wolf. Um, I, I think we're seeing more and more coaches like George um, adapt to the players and what the players strengths are and, you know, going all in on those strengths and building something around that. There's obviously, you know, core fundamentals and things that you want to do as a player that are going to help you be more consistent. Um, but there's also some individuality to that too. I mean, you talk about the Coochers and the Bubba's and, you know, those mm -hmm. types of players that have some unique moves. Um, would you agree that, in the fitness space, there's also an individualized approach to that as well, or there needs to be. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Without a doubt. I think um, the example I gave um, to, to take that a bit further 
if you have someone that uh, may lack flexibility in their swing and you can kind of see it in poor rotation um, and other things, then that's something that through a strength and conditioning program, while it is flexibility, a strength and conditioning program can be improved for that specific individual. If you have someone uh, that may not lack flexibility, but may struggle with speed, um, there's things that you can do to improve some of those fast twitch muscles a little bit that will carry over into club head speed and ball speed. And uh, without a doubt, um, strength conditioning for athletes needs to be individualized um, or you're getting people and kids that are doing things that um, are not approaching and counteracting some of the um, inherent weaknesses that they have that they might not even realize they have or uh, may have just been born with. Um, so yes, absolutely. Individualized yeah. strength conditioning program are, are essential without a doubt. So keeping that in mind, I mean, you know, we've got a lot of parents that listen to the show that are just trying to figure out like, how can they best help and support their young players that are coming up with, without being a, um, a fitness or wellness expert as a parent are there some things that parents can be doing or maybe some things that they can be paying attention to? Let's say they, um, you know, find a, a couple coaches in some different areas to help their young players. What can they be doing as a parent to make sure, or I guess constantly be evaluating, you know, is this the right fit or, you know, are they taking the right approach with my child? Yeah. You know, I think it's tough. Um, I, I think anytime that, you are entering into something that you don't know a lot about as a parent. Um, it can be a scary experience because you're letting somebody else have a, a pretty good impact on, on your child's life, whether it's golf or just anything related to letting another individual into your child's life. I think from a strength and conditioning perspective, one thing that's really important is that as parents are talking to strength and conditioning coaches, personal trainers, whatever it might be, uh, be extremely cognizant of the fact that there are a number of strength and conditioning coaches that try to push their methodology onto athletes, regardless of the athlete's need. So the best coaches that I've had are coaches that will listen and understand the athlete and then mold what that individual strength and conditioning coach has learned throughout the years to best fit the needs of that individual not the other way around. So as parents listen for that, without a doubt, make sure that those coaches are um, adjusting their methodologies for your athlete so that that athlete is improving based on their needs, not based on what this strength conditioning coach thinks the overall needs of golfers might be. Sure. Sure. Now that definitely makes sense. I mean, um, you know, it can be very similar from like an instruction standpoint too. Um, you know, you talk about, let's take a David Ledbetter, for example, you know, historically, and this is going back quite a ways, you know, the A swing um, was something that was taught and, you know, that one specific methodology. Um, but like I said, that, that part has evolved over time. And I think coaches more and more adapting to what the players are capable of doing and the movements that they're able to make. Um, and that's an ever evolving process, right? I mean, I would say that, you know, we talk about Bryson and we talk about Scott Stallings, but then if you look at even, you know, we brought up Tiger and Brooks and I'll throw Gary Woodland in the mix on this too. Um, I would, I would argue too that, you know, Tiger Brooks Woodland, while they 
pushed fitness, you know, uh, from a golf perspective and just being overall, you know, more fit and stronger. Uh, it appears that maybe at least in body type, they've scaled back slightly. And I've heard Gary Woodland specifically talk about this recently where he feels like he's in the best shape of his life. But if you look at him, I mean, he looks a lot skinnier than he did last year out on tour. Um, so what would you say about that in terms of just the ever evolving and the evolution uh, of that process? Yeah. So without a doubt, it's a, it's a difficult thing as an athlete and as a parent of an athlete to navigate, but I think and this will go all the way back to the conversation we had about playing multiple sports. I think if you truly are, or if your child truly is um, an athlete and understands how to move their body well, I think in that scenario, working with a coach, a golf coach and a strength conditioning coach as well, that will understand the way that that athlete's body works and the way that that athlete's body moves um, and then creating a program or coaching that individual around that. Without a doubt, there are some instances where um, something very textbook about an athlete's swing may need to be changed, where um, it's not something that as a coach you should just work with. You should uh, probably start to, to change that. But if there's something, uh, and you, you pointed out some of the swings like Furyk and, and like Bubba Watson, where um, if they're doing things that may be a bit unorthodox just based on the way that they've learned, but they're still able to achieve some level of, of good results, um, then as a parent or an athlete, it, it's worth listening to that coach to understand if they have the strategy to completely change your swing or to completely change the way that you would approach uh, the game, or if they're willing to work with you and use their expertise as a coach um, to help continue to mold your swing and your game into the, the best that it can be. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, keeping that holistic approach in mind, um, I want to, I want to dive into the mental side of that, uh, a little bit too, because when we talk about the sport of golf, um, uh, golf is a very mental game, right? And so, I'm a firm believer because I've put myself through this also. I'm a firm believer that pushing yourself physically uh, can really tap into what you're capable of mentally. And I've heard, you know, Conor McGregor talk about this. Um, I think it was on a podcast with either Joe Rogan or uh, Tony Robbins or something like that, where he was talking about, I think he's actually worked with Tony Robbins on this specifically where, you know, physically pushing yourself can help you unlock some different mental space that maybe you didn't even realize was there. And then keeping that in mind with how mental the golf game is. Um, what are your thoughts around that type of, I guess, methodology, approach, opinion? Um, what's your thoughts? Yeah, without a doubt, I think um, the harder you're able to internally motivate and push yourself, the more that you can learn about yourself mentally. Um, and that carries over not just into golf, without a doubt into golf, but other aspects of your life as well. And it, and it goes both ways. Um, being able to push yourself to improve your golf game um, is undoubtedly important if you are uh, working to become a, a high performing golfer. Uh, but for me, um, having that discipline without a doubt helped with uh, the mental game for golf. But I think taking that one step further 
the mental game that comes with a sport like golf. Um, and there's things inherent to the sport of golf that will uh, teach young kids, uh, even adults that are learning the game um, about uh, how strong they may be mentally and approaching things from a different perspective. Um, golf's an extremely humbling game where you can have an extremely good week of practice on the range. And then you go out for a tournament and you step on the range and all of a sudden things are all over the place. Um, and it'd be really easy to look back mentally and, and kind of uh, put your head down and say, well, practice must not really be working for me that well if I'm going out in tournaments and not playing well, or you can use that as, as motivation to say, here's why I may not have played well, despite having a really good week of practice. Um, and that carries over once you get into the professional space after however long your golf career may be um, to continue to have that self-discipline and continue to be level-headed mentally as you approach all aspects of your life. Yeah, it's uh, golf, in my opinion, and I, I've said this before on here that I believe it's one of the most parallel sports with life um you know i can't remember if it was nicholas or um well accomplished golfer i just don't know who said it uh similarly was you know you can hit a ball down the middle of the fairway and hit a sprinkler head hmm. and you're in the trees right or you can blast one into the trees and end up in the middle of the fairway um which i think is very similar in terms of uh in terms of life and so I just think that overall awareness um, is something that, you know, can come out of taking this holistic approach. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. Um, and I think taking that maybe slightly one step further, um, it's yeah. really easy in golf to, and there's some benefit in this and in riding a wave when you're playing really well and um, having a little bit of pep in your step when you've made two birdies in a row um, but then it's also really easy when you've made a double to get down on yourself for a couple of holes. Um, and it's the best golfers that don't allow either of those, the highs or the lows to get too extremely high or too extremely low. Um, and really understand how to mitigate both of those, knowing that without a doubt, there's going to be a point in time, even if you've made five birdies in a row where you're going to hit a bad shot. Um, but if you've been level headed, despite making those five birdies in a row, you'll understand that it's just one bad shot and there's nothing that, that you can do about it and you can move on from it. And then looking at it conversely, knowing that just because you've made a double bogey, um, that is no reflection on how you may perform on your tee shot on the next hole. Um, and again, that without a doubt carries over into life as well. Um, not letting the highs get too high in terms of your mental approach to those and not getting too down on some of the lows, because um, as we're, as many people are seeing right now in the environment that we're um, living in with, with everything going on with, with COVID and um, the country overall having struggling a bit with everything going on with, with the virus um, there are without a doubt times that will be challenging for people and for families. Um, so I, I think, you said it best golf is, is a very strong uh, analogy and has a very strong correlation into uh, the way that we can approach life. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Um, well, I want to move towards wrapping up, but um, anything that you think is important that we haven't really dove into in the, 
realm of just overall wellness for golfers, um, advice for parents and players out there? Um, no, I think we, I think we covered a lot of it. Um, I don't know. Do you, do you get the sense that there are a lot of, um, we could, we could go into just a super brief conversation about, um, about nutrition, just really brief. Yeah. Yeah, let's do it. I think it's a huge part of the game. Um, I, I worked in the academy space for a little while and, uh, that was definitely one of the things that we, uh, coached players on, whether it's, you know, off the course nutrition on the course nutrition. So definitely a big piece of just overall wellness for sure. What are your thoughts? Yeah. So I think the first exposure I had to this was golfing myself. And, um, we talk about on the course nutrition and then I'll talk a bit about off the course nutrition, but, um, it's easy to overlook the fact that when you're playing a round of, of golf, um, you are at the course an hour and a half, maybe two hours before your tee time, especially when I was playing junior golf, I can imagine it's only gotten worse, not better, the pace of play. So you're on the course for five and a half hours sometimes, uh, and you're now looking at seven and a half hours in some scenarios where you've been performing your sport. Um, And to go in any other circumstance, to go seven and a half hours without eating or eating poorly, you just, you wouldn't do that or you'd perform poorly in whatever you're doing. And I saw this, this firsthand with myself um, and it wouldn't really manifest itself until I had a bad hole. Uh, But if I hadn't been um, giving myself the appropriate nutrition throughout the round, the second I had a bad shot, it's like the world was falling apart. Um, I all of a sudden was hungry. I hit a bad shot. And I think they, without a doubt, went hand in hand. And um, as happens, as you start to mature, you realize how important those things are. Um, be, being prepared with the appropriate food on the course and understanding um, what the best food to have on the course is for such a long day. Uh, but if we take that off the course, um, there's out that uh, a poor diet will reflect poorly on the way that you're recovering. And if you are following a relatively rigorous strength conditioning program, as well as practicing however many hours a week you are practicing, um, and let's not not forget that we're walking the course when we're doing this, um, you need to be in good shape and you need to be able to recover well from those days so that you can come back the next day um, and perform well in the gym, hit the range hard with a clear head. Um, and then perform well on the course. So it's often something that, that can be overlooked in the discussion of our golf game or even our overall wellness. But no question, there is um, a, an emphasis and a much stronger emphasis that, that needs to be placed on nutrition, both on the course as well as off the course. Yeah. So let's, um, if you've got some more time, let's, can we dive into that sure. a little bit deeper? Just what are some, what are some on the course nutritional tips for um, players and, and parents um, that are just prepping for a tournament or just even a casual round. I mean, I know for myself, I've right. always got stuff like, you know, beef jerky or fruit or like stuff like that in my bag um, while I'm out playing, you know, just a casual round because it's still important then um, even though I'm not performing in an actual tournament. So what should these players have in their bags as they're going through their rounds? Yeah. So I will preface this and I probably should have preface this before um, I started talking about nutrition in general. I have no certifications or degree in nutrition. I've experienced a lot of it at a lot of different levels through golf 
as well as through CrossFit and coaching. Um, I, Moosefit does have uh, registered dietitians and uh, certified nutritionists on staff that um, have a much greater understanding of this from a, a scientific and a um, educational standpoint. But for me, um, you really need to be aware of the uh, the profile of the different foods that you're eating and what those foods will do to your energy level. So um, it's really easy just to throw in uh, maybe some fruit into your bag, but know that the fruit that you're eating, if it's an apple or a, a bag of strawberries or whatever it might be, um, will be a relatively quick burst of energy. Um, so if that's sure. something that you save for the last four holes of your round, great. But if you're relying on that before you start the round to sustain you throughout the entire round, uh, I think looking at something and you see a lot of guys eating uh, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. I think the profile of sure. that um, is a bit stronger for the duration that you are expected to perform that four and a half to five and a half hour time frame, uh, because you get the slower digesting and people refer to uh, fats as kind of the coals of the fire. You get that coal, that, that energy coal from the fats that will just continue to sustain you throughout the round, uh, which is great. Um, and then as you get closer to the end of the round, if you feel yourself starting to get a little bit tired or feel yourself starting to get a little hungry, that's when some of those faster acting carbohydrates like the fruits um, will, will do you well. But um, those fats can come in the form of peanut butter on a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, or um, a lot of times people will, will bring a bag of uh, mixed nuts, almonds, cashews, those sorts of things that will provide a bit more sustained yeah. energy. Uh, it is important. And I don't think this is as much of a problem, but um, you definitely don't want to eat something that will make you feel sluggish. So uh, fruits typically don't come with a lot of uh, crash, energy crash afterwards. Um, but a lot of the, the junk food that unfortunately is, is oftentimes provided in some of the lunches that you get at middle school tournaments, high school tournaments, has things in it that will give you that quick insulin spike and then a bit of a crash. Uh, and then by the uh, 12th hole, you're starting to feel tired and lethargic again, which is the last thing that you want. Uh, so that covers the on the course nutrition off the course. The thing that I like, can you talk, can you just, uh, what about hydration? Say that again. What about hydration? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Hydration is uh, obviously really important, um, on the course and off the course, but it goes back to the same conversation that we were just having. Uh, I think there's a much more awareness today, uh, more so than when I was playing junior golf around uh, the, the sugar level that is contained in a lot of the sports drinks. Um, if you are someone that's training for a triathlon or you're running a marathon and you're losing a lot of sodium and you're sweating a lot throughout the round, a Gatorade is exactly what you need or something similar to that. Uh, but if you're playing in Northern Michigan in October and you're not sweating a whole lot, you're not losing a whole lot of potassium and you're not losing a whole lot of sodium. Um, the sugar from that Gatorade will accomplish the same insulin spike and crash um, that let's call it a, a Snickers bar might. So it's really important to be cognizant of the um, way that you're hydrating. Obviously I think water's a, a great, one of the best options. Uh, but there, without a doubt, are circumstances where your body will need to replenish the sodium and the and the magnesium. If you're playing in Southern Florida in the summer and you're sweating throughout the entire round, you're sweating when you step step foot on the range, uh, then a Gatorade sure. becomes a much better option. So um, either educating yourself as a parent or as an athlete 
to the point where you understand when you need to be um, consuming what forms of, of hydrate, hydrating drinks or working with someone that can help provide you with that information on a tournament by tournament, day by day basis. Yeah, yeah. So then let's take it off the course. Yeah, so off the course, nutrition wise, I think uh, it'll be a very similar conversation. Um, you want to make sure that you're eating and timing your meals and the nutrient profiles of those meals uh, in alignment with when you are training and when you're practicing. Um, typically, uh, the best approach that I give um, my moose fit clients, and this will be a bit different for performing athletes, but when possible, consume real whole foods um, when you can, not whole foods as in the store, but actual food. So <laughs> rather than having a, a protein shake, despite the six protein shakes that Bryson might maybe drinking a day, if you can right. eat a meal immediately after you work out, um, a, a good meal that will have the same profile as that shake and potentially a better profile than that shake with the protein and a little bit of carbohydrates, um, then always favor real food. But the timing of when you're providing your body with nutrients based on when you're training, what you're eating after you train, what you're eating before you practice, what you're eating after you practice is, is very important because if you're not prepared to practice well, then uh, that practice sometimes maybe could potentially be all for naught if you if you aren't uh, if you don't have a good practice session. Yeah, um, could you take that a step further in terms of um, protein powders, those types of things? I think one of the things that um, parents are always curious about or nervous about is you know what are appropriate things for my child to take? Is it appropriate for them to even take anything like that as a young developing body and athlete? Um, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. So supplementation is, uh, exactly what the true definition supplements, I should say, are the, uh, exactly what the definition of that word is. They should be used as a supplement to real food, at least in my view. So uh, without a doubt, they are beneficial. Um, if you do not have time, which many of us don't, to have a, a, a real meal. Um, having said that, going back to, to the discipline conversation that we have, that we had, yep. um, having the discipline and the foresight to say, okay, I have this, this, and this on my schedule today and, and putting an emphasis on the importance of nutrition means that you're preparing ahead of time for that day so that you are providing your body with what it needs. If there are circumstances where you don't have the time or you may have forgotten to prepare the food, then that is when, the, that is when you would supplement your real food with supplements. So a protein shake is, yep. is without no question a, a bad thing in any sense of the imagination, but um, when used in place of food, it, it can start to, to become uh, potentially a bad thing. Yeah. 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 I think that's good advice um, for sure. Just, you know, making sure that you're planning and being disciplined and being smart about, you know, how you're taking care of your body and your overall wellness. Um, it's just really important to becoming, you know, a healthier human being and, and a better athlete. Right? Absolutely. Good deal. Um, well, Matt, I appreciate your time today. One of the things I do to wrap up, um, and we've kind of done this a little bit, maybe just through conversation. I know you've posed a couple of questions back to me, but I like to wrap up and kind of pass the baton over to the guest and ask you to just fire a question or two back at me. Yeah. You know, the, the main question that I would have for you is from your, uh, 
larger exposure, greater exposure to the junior golf game. How do you see what is happening with the strength conditioning space that we've seen through, um, through Brooks and through Bryson and through Gary Woodland? How do you see that manifesting itself currently in, in junior golfers, middle school level, high school level, uh, to whatever extent you have exposure to, to college golfers? Is there still um, a gap? Are individuals not being exposed to that until they get to college or until they start to, to look to play at the next level after college? Or um, has it become much more of a commonplace conversation with junior and high school golfers? I mean, I definitely think it's become more of a common conversation, but at the same time, I think it also hinges quite a bit on the environment that you're in. Um, and so what I mean by that is, like I mentioned earlier, I came from the academy world. There's a lot of different golf schools and academies out there, um, and a majority of their approaches tend to bring a lot of different aspects. You talk about just holistic uh, wellness, bring a lot of those different aspects to overall training and development of young golfers. Um, and I think outside of that, I, I see a lot of younger players paying more attention to fitness and nutrition in general. Um, I would say that the one thing that makes me a little bit nervous, I'd be curious to see what your thoughts are on this too. Uh, I definitely think fitness, I definitely think overall wellness is important but I think that we all tend to do this. We all tend to look at a figure, um, you know, most times as a young up and coming player, you're looking towards a professional golfer and trying to mimic uh, a lot of what you're doing around what they're doing. And I think, I think that's okay. But I think at the same time, we need to have some understanding that uh, these are professional athletes sure. and, they are a lot more developed maybe in their bodies and their minds and things like that. So just having that, the consciousness to understand that aspect of it. Um, but I, I don't think there's anything wrong with, you know, striving to be more physically fit and being, you know, having a better balanced nutrition intake, um, you know, being more rounded and, you know, your holistic wellness. I, I believe all that's good. Um, I just think that, you know, it just needs to be kind of what we've been talking about this whole time. It just needs to be tailored to you right. as an individual. Yeah, no, I think it's great that, um, that professional athletes, and I think this is the way that um, I think it's becoming more of a thing as um, individuals at a high level in the junior athletic space start to surround themselves with, as you mentioned, a, a team. Um, I think it's great that the professional athletes are kind of lighting the torch for um, trends in the space because they are the professionals. They can handle the volume. They can handle the intensity. Um, they can move in ways that others can't. Uh, but I think after that torch has been lit, it's the responsibility of strength conditioning coaches and others in that individual's team to really pass the baton on to their athletes um, and connect with those athletes in a way that isn't trying to make them become something that they're not. Uh, but it is raising a lot of awareness and bringing a lot of awareness of the strength and conditioning aspect of the sport to younger golfers, which um, if handled the right way, and if coaches are approaching it the way, right way, uh, I think it's, it's without a doubt, a good thing. Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. Um, well, Matt, I really appreciate it. 
obviously there's lots of quote unquote fitness experts and nutrition right. experts and, you know, wellness experts out there. And sometimes it's tough to figure out who to listen to or who's giving the right information. I've really enjoyed our conversation. Um, you know, I think anybody that's listened to our conversation understands that you're a reputable source. Um, you've done some studying. Um, you really understand this space very well. And I know that, you know, even preface some of the nutrition conversations with, um, you know, you've, you've got registered dietitians and nutritionists on staff. You're not, you know, per se the expert there, but definitely educated in that space. What kind of advice, um, or I guess, where can people find moose fit and connect with you or just overall advice in terms of connecting with somebody in their area or online that is an expert that's going to really. Yeah. So I'll answer the, the second question first. I think we touched on it a bit um, as parents and as athletes start to think about this conversation. Um, I would start by just researching individuals in your area that are um, in the space. Uh, you have to be careful with online presence because there are ways to uh, finagle is the best word that I can use, but finagle the way that your brand appears on search engines and on the internet itself. So um, don't necessarily be attracted by the individual. And I'm sure parents are on Instagram anymore. Um, don't be attracted by the individual with the, the highest number of, of followers or uh, putting out the most and potentially sometimes obnoxious content. Um, understand that there are a lot of different options. If being in person with a, a coach is of importance to you, um, then definitely start by looking locally. Um, if Virtual is going to work for you from a strength and conditioning perspective. Um, there are even more options. So continue to be selective, have conversations with the people that you are going to have working with you, that you're going to be working with, or you're going to have your child working with. Um, and like I said earlier, make sure they are going to be working for your athlete, not pushing some sort of methodology and ideology that they have onto your athlete. Um, I feel like Myself, uh, as well as the other coaches that we have on staff at MooseFit, we do a really good job of doing that with all of our clients, not just our athletes, but some of our older clients. But from an athletic perspective, uh, we do a good job of having conversations with prospective clients, understanding what their goals are, understanding what their needs are, understanding what their limitations are, and then creating a program around their goals and their needs with our expertise in mind that will help them become uh, the best version of themselves that they can, uh, or the best athlete that they can. Um, if people listening to this are interested in uh, contacting me directly, you can check out the MooseFit website. It's www.moosefit.co.co, not com. So www.moosefit.co. Uh, we're also on Instagram at MooseFit. Um, if you would like to contact me directly, you can email me at matthewmusavian at gmail.com. Uh, I'm also happy after we connect over email to hop on the phone uh, anytime. I love talking about uh, junior golf. I love talking about uh, ways that, that strength and conditioning can make an impact on the, the game, uh, the junior golf game. So, uh, Matt, I'm really happy that we were able to connect. I'm, I'm happy that you invited me. Uh, to be a guest on your podcast. Um, 
and it sounds like you're doing great, great things in the space. So look forward to, to staying connected and uh, hopefully connecting with, with some of your viewers. Yeah, absolutely. I really appreciate your time and, and knowledge. And I definitely know that there's a lot of value that uh, the listeners are going to take away from this conversation. So appreciate your time. Absolutely. Thank you, Matt. Well, that wraps up episode 46 with our guest this week, the founder of MooseFit, Matt Musavian. Uh, appreciate Matt joining the show. Appreciate him for just sharing his knowledge about the uh, fitness, nutrition, wellness, you know, recovery, uh, routine, all that space, you know, just the holistic approach to health and wellness. Um, something that I really think that can, it can be a big advantage for some of you athletes that are out there that are just look, looking how to maximize your potential. So um, thank you to Matt and thank you to you guys for tuning in. I do appreciate it. Um, as I always ask, if you took away some value from this episode, please share it. Please leave a review. Also, make sure that you subscribe so you don't miss out on some of the exciting guests that we've got coming up. And I hope you join me next week for another episode of Junior Golf Keys. Thank you.